Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's Film House. Uh, today we are talking about the movie I Care A Lot that just came to Netflix starring Rosamund Pike. Today I am joined by James, as always. Hello. Oh, hello. Resident film watcher. Yes. <laughs> He's got a Netflix subscription, people. <laughs> and I'll share it with anyone that asks. Just let me know and I'll send you my password. And also a movie buff and one of my uh fave collaborators that comes to the channel nick aka diction howdy how's it going <laughs> oh, look at, he, <laughs> like the, the charming <laughs> cutest little welcome I hey, say, like, one of those, you have a like, tattoo on your wrist one of the i have lots of tattoos oh you have uh, lots of tattoos on those are beauties okay i saw that one gotcha um yeah today we're talking about i care a lot and doing a pseudo review I never feel like I am, uh, you know, have any distinction to be reviewing movies. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's just opinions. Good you setup. Know, take yeah, it or leave it. Opinions. Anyone can do a ways. review. Yeah. Anyone. Anyone can do a review. Everyone's All you have a critic. Have seen it and have an opinion on it, and you can review it. Now the legitimacy of said review is completely up for debate. But yeah, you know, you we're go. we're right. You're wrong. We are right. And I would say if there's anything, uh, we do care a lot when you it comes lot. to sharing our opinions on films. Nailed so. it. There you go. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> this movie was written and directed by Jay Blakeson, who you might know from HBO's Gunpowder, The Disappearance of Alex, Alice Creed and The Fifth Wave. None of which I've seen. I don't nope, know about I'm you, Dick. I was gonna say I'm now less familiar with this person than I was. <laughs> I've seen Alice I, Creed. I, I really liked it. It's really good. I didn't mm -hmm. know about Gunpowder until I saw like a, hey, here's this forgotten Kit Harrington show on HBO that no one watched. Like, check this out. Yeah, um, it was being pushed. It was like his post Game of Thrones vehicle. Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought it was, didn't oh, he okay. do like uh, uh, Hercules or something? What was the? Oh no, Pompeii. Pompeii is what Ooh. I know of. You mean Gladiator his... 2? Gladiator 2. I never saw it, but I just know that that was like uh, Kit Harrington. Yeah, well, that was like pre-Game of Thrones. He was in Silent Hill 2 and then Pompeii. Both are really, really bad. I tried to watch Pompeii mm -hmm. a couple months ago, and it's literally just Gladiator and then a volcano explodes at the very end. Like, that's it. Love it. Sounds great. Oh, wait. So everything that the the characters were fighting for... It just essentially becomes nil because it's wiped out by the mm -hmm. volcano. Pretty much, yeah. Well, um, as you all know, uh, the volcano ash, hot ash, is what fell upon Pompeii. None of the lava. Uh -oh. Did it freeze? <laughs> I think we lost him again. God damn it. <laughs> Peyton, here's what you could do. Just bars and tone it and then come back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so, so yeah, Pompeii fans, this might be the movie for you or not. It's unclear. Um, they're not really yeah. connected, but we no. sort of drew that. Uh, mm -hmm. So the movie has a pretty f great cast. Rosamund Pike, Peter Dinklage, Isa Gonzalez, Chris Mazina, Mazina, uh, Diane Weist. You know, I think so that nice we were seeing her again. I haven't seen her in a movie and I feel like forever. I know. Yeah. Like nobody's, mm -hmm. you know, cast in the Weist. You gotta get the Weiss. He's great. <laughs> mm -hmm. And Rosamund Pike has the distinction of winning the Best Actress Golden Globe for a motion picture, comedy, or drama for her part in this movie, which she just did last week. Oh, she um, did. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there's a little Macon Blair, 
You always want a little hint of Macon Blair. Little in Macon movie. Blair. I was yeah. really disappointed he was only in two scenes because I just I love that guy. Me He's too. Because I saw him in the trailer and thought, oh, okay, here we go, Macon Blair. Let me guess. Making he didn't it even get his own poster, did he? Everyone else he, gets a poster. I'm seeing them right now on the screen. And he I don't think one. he did. I'm totally gonna did get he? you a Making It Rain shirt. Diction. I, okay. Mark my words. <laughs> I it. thought I thought Rosamund Pike was really good in this, but part of me also believes that potentially this was a uh, a, a latent award for her work in Die Another Day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that's just me uh, applying some attributes to that, but that's you know just maybe oh, yeah. what are my thoughts? Like when the Academy mm-hmm. makes yeah. them make good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a make good for sure. This yeah. is this is her departed. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> it, sorry it, <laughs> you have an actual discussion you want to have uh, her, her character is, is quite dark and nihilistic and uh, she plays a a shady legal guardian that bribes medical professionals to declare older people legally unfit to look after themselves but then it comes back to bite her when she tries to bilk an elderly woman who has ties to a powerful powerful gangster and so Rosamund Pike's character is pretty uh morally uh you repugnant. know she's repugnant yeah she's, yeah she's bad well, really hard to i root think for. one of this this i mean i we basically just turned this on i hadn't done any sort of looking into what this movie is i hadn't seen a trailer which i will say is one of the cool things about the streaming world like these big movies coming to streaming services like they aren't really promoted there's like no way that you could unless you're subscribe to the netflix trailers youtube account like if you're not going to movie theaters and you know you just don't see these types of things you might not have any idea and i didn't know at all what this movie is about and it was great because it starts as kind of like a oh she's kind of like a shady character right so she she basically finds old people that are kind of on their last legs and then uh takes them into her care through judicial involvement and then sells off all of their assets and basically just like milks them for everything they're worth. Right. And the long con, I think it's a, it's definitely yeah a long con, but when you watch it, you're kind of, I thought, and this is something Elise can tell you. I always do is I try and like guess the plot of movies while I'm watching it. Right. But you're watching it thinking, Oh, this is one of those change of heart films. Right where you expect the character who's who's in a very bad way, this con person who's going to like have to have a change of heart and then realize the error of their ways and then make up for that because something bad happened. That's not what this movie is about. And at least I don't know how much you want to get into the actual plot if we want to go full spoiler or save that for a little bit later. But I was I was pleasantly surprised that that's not the direction that this movie went in. You are. I think we can we can kind of speak in vague terms right now and then get into more specific plot stuff later mm-hmm. um, for the people who have seen it. Uh, Nick, did it go down the ter- like James, did it go down the term that you thought it was going to? Um, or did I, you I, even have anything in mind? Yeah. I, since I was familiar with the filmmaker, I kind of knew going into it like, oh, like this is not going to have like a happy twist at all because Alice mm-hmm. Creed doesn't have one. Not to give too much away, but like, yeah. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it just I, like knowing the kind of writer he is, I was like, oh, so she's going to be like a total bitch this entire movie. Like, and she's going to be fun to watch. But what was weird for me, I still liked it. But what was weird was that 
it the movie seemed to expect you to root for her like an anti-hero and she's just a she's just a villain like she's not a there's nothing yeah to like about yeah. her whatsoever like she's she's fascinating but you never get it never goes like nightcrawler you know like where it's yeah it, like that movie didn't expect you to to, to want lou bloom to succeed you were just along for the ride to watch him do what he did and he was a fascinating like sociopathic character but this mm. movie seems like it's like you're you're on the ride and it like wants you to like her he wants you to root for her to succeed and continue doing these horrible things to people because it's fun I, to watch i guess yeah it's, she's more like anti-villain territory and i agree she's not a fun you know walter white breaking bad term where you're kind of in, basking in this person in their revelry of the bad things that they're doing. And I, James can tell you, I watching it was having a visceral reaction to a lot of the, of the movie, especially the, the beginning where it's just her straight up exploiting the, the weaknesses of an elderly person. Mm -hmm. And you're seeing the descent of how she does that con and manipulates mm -hmm. it and manipulates the system and people around her. And I was just like, I just kept, I kept saying to him, like, I don't feel good watching this. I feel horrible <laughs> watching this. What it really reminded me of. I mean, it reminded me of a gangster film in a lot of yeah. ways. We mentioned yeah. Departed earlier, but like it reminded me of a gangster film. And the only difference is that a lot of times with like gangster films or the close to, closest example that I could think of would be like Wolf of Wall Street is there's no tr great pretense about that movie being like, hey, like, yeah, we get it that you're kind of like rooting for this guy, but we also understand that he's a piece of garbage, you know, mm -hmm. like, but the difference with a movie like that is that Wolf of Wall Street doesn't really show you the ramifications of what um, the main character in that film is actually doing to the people like doing to the economy, like, because it's, it's like a numbers thing. Like you just see him getting wealthier and you don't realize how that wealth is being built off the yeah. backs of like working class people and, and, and stuff like that. This movie spends a lot of time showing you from the point of view of the, of her victims, like how bad it is. And like Lee said, like having that visceral reaction. So it's, it's definitely, the same kind of movie, but it's not at all the the like it doesn't have the same vibe. And I also think it's weird because it it was uh, she won Best Actress at Glo Golden Globe for Motion Picture Comedy or Musical. And it's like the I Golden didn't really... Globes are a joke. Let's just say yeah, I know that <laughs> I know that. Yeah, I get it. Their categorizing <laughs> is just like is nonsense. But like yeah. like it's. But it's so so weird because like I wasn't watching this thinking it was a comedy at all. Like, I don't think that there's a single laugh in it. A it's dark, not even dark, like a chuckle. Yeah, maybe. I, but yeah, I chuckled like, a, a good number of times, but I felt bad afterwards. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like I mean the darkest dark comedy. But then that could be said for any like that means Demolition Man is a comedy because Rob Schneider's in it. You know, like <laughs> it's just like is it not? I don't know. I guess it that is three kind of seashells bit. It gets me every time, you know, it's great stuff. You use one to pinch it and then the other to scoop or whatever. slice it anyway. So it's a very, it was a very unconventional film. And I definitely think it makes it a, a, a strange watch. Mm -hmm. I think it's also like you mentioned those sort of heist movies or, or con movies or mob movies where you have that anti-hero who is, immoral and scrupulous and they're 
usually, you know, you want it to be a Robin Hood situation where they're undermining the man or mm -hmm. they're taking from the rich yeah. and they're exploiting somebody that, you know, has exploited others. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a situation where it's someone preying on the weak, which which happens. Like, I feel like there are those antiheroes where we at least have fun as mm -hmm. we're along for the ride of them being bad. Mm -hmm. And this is a situation where I've seen a lot of mixed reactions to this movie and people really, really disliking her character and not having fun with it. And I've also seen the conversation of, oh, this is also a situation where it's a woman doing this role, which is which is rare. Mm -hmm. And is there some kind of, you know, blurring of the line with the sexes here where if it feels like people uh, if there's some, you know, underlying sexism and it, and we're not used to seeing a woman in a role like this or behave this way because women are nurturers and you know, mothers, et cetera. And Rosamund Pike talked about it a little bit. She said she was everything I wanted to see in a woman on screen. She's allowed to do the things that men have always been allowed to do, be ruthless, ambitious, strive for exactly what she wants. Shamelessly and unambiguously. She has no fear of not being liked. She's out to win. She wants to make money. All the things that have not been considered feminine qualities. She has them in spades. Um, and I, I agree to a certain extent with that. But then surprisingly, BuzzFeed News, <laughs> I never shot. thought I would say this, oh, but BuzzFeed wow. News, uh, they, they made a, uh, had a review where uh, they kind of pointed to those things too about how you know, the movie wants you to root for her. It's unclear who the movie wants you to root for. But the thing that they forgot to do with her was, you know, infuse her with any relatability, entry point or flicker of humanity. Yeah. Yeah, which again, like talking in vagaries, I do think that the movie did consciously, though. I don't think that that's a shortcoming of the film necessarily. Maybe it's a shortcoming in one in an individual's ability to enjoy it, but I don't think it's a shortcoming in the messaging of the film because the the, the by the end of it, when the credits roll, it seems like there's a pretty clear intention from the creator um, that they want you to take away from watching this character and watching what this character does. Yeah. Um, I totally understand what Rosamund Pike is saying. And, and generally my, my, uh, response to, do you think there's some sort of sexism here is always yes. <laughs> um, in most cases, but I, 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 like it does, it is the kind of thing where she will, there's a scene with her, um, and a lawyer and they're basically having it out in a, in a smug match. Right. Like, like a pissing who contest. Can be, yeah. 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 Who can Which we can, more... we can talk about in more specifics. I think we should maybe just talk about specifics. Sorry okay. if you haven't seen it. Um, um yeah, but Peter Dinklage so essentially, has a beard in it. So it's a really good beard. She, it's a good beard. She, she Roseman Pike's character. She, uh, she, um, goes with one of her cons that she normally does. And it seems like it's going to be a big one. And so when she gets this woman basically into her custody and starts selling off all her assets, um, someone shows up and f and it shows up looking for her, even though she was supposed to not have any family, not have anything. Not she's mm -hmm. just basically a loner. Someone shows up looking for her and it turns out she's the mother of a gangster, uh, like a drug lord, I guess, um, who has essentially Dinklage. Yeah, played by Peter Dinklage. Actually, one of my favorite, I will say one of my favorite Peter Dinklage roles. I yeah. think he's really yeah. great in this. Um, Did a great and, job of going from being like cool and ruthless 
mm-hmm. to like you see the genuine like fear and care when he's like thinking about his mother and how her, yeah. her situation was like <laughs> it was it was a layered portrayal yeah. of a gangster. I dug it for sure. It is super super nuanced and um and so they basically have now she's gotten in with this situation and now they're like well where's this woman because she had a fake identity there's a whole bunch of stuff that is uncovered along the way but it's this old woman isn't this victim that she thought that she would be and so now she's dealing with the repercussions of that um but the scene with the lawyer yeah, yeah but then even peter dinklage is trying to keep a low profile so they he sends a lawyer to just just basically threaten her and then buy her out played by chris um, messina and love him. and it's a love him. really really great scene because this is some like hot shot think like hollywood like lawyer guy with his wonderful suits his he has a white fitted suit and one like just yeah just a really <laughs> smug dude his violet tie and what have you and comes in trying to threaten her and she just doesn't really take the bait and then eventually like he's offering her like a hundred K he's trying to buy her out. So that way they don't have to take this to court because then that there's a visibility aspect to it, but he's a, he's a dick. He's a prick. Oh yeah. But she also is a prick. Yeah. (laughs) And I think in the scene, he, for some reason comes off as better because it's assumed that, Oh yeah, well there are just men that are dick lawyers that we've seen on film like that before. So you're almost rooting for him in the scene and when he loses you're like oh like i don't know that's how i felt well at least. we we we've come to ex- accept that kind of aggression from men like that and yeah. this is what he does and that's yeah. what he that's fine and uh i think that there's <laughs> i don't was it just me or was there a part of you both of you watching chris messina's performance and thinking he was kind of in a different movie kind of in more of a fun yeah uh you know caper gangster romp that was that was the scene that i got the most laughs out of me because it was definitely like there was just like so many chiding like comments back and forth and i thought it was great Mm -hmm. oh that yeah cody's showing the suit right now the aforementioned (laughs) white fitted suit which which was great and it also felt like a weird southern lawyer's pinstripe suit why is he holding the pillow i don't remember this that's it's because peter dinklage was throwing smoothies at him oh yeah for not having closed the deal and so he's pissed one complaint i do have in the first scene with peter dinklage or in the second scene he says is that my smoothie and the guy hands him a starbucks coffee and i was like that's not a smoothie why are you yeah. calling that a smoothie, mm. you weirdo? Mm. Mm. So. There's like it's a consistency thing. It's the ingredients involved. If it's a frappuccino, yeah. it's a frappuccino. If it's a smoothie, it's got to have fruit in it. That's 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 just what I'm saying here. Don't get so, it twisted. You, were you able to see the interior of the contents? I don't recall. Was it a brown? Substance? It just looked like it looked like it was an iced coffee that didn't have any ice, and the ice had melted because they're probably on like take 54 mm. of that of that shot. <laughs> What is it with uh, Peter Dinklage Productions and uh, inappropriate cups appearing uh, on set? I just don't know. Anyway. See, no, look at that. That's not a smoothie. Not a smoothie. It doesn't. But I will say the straw looks more smoothie-like. No, than... that's one of those. That's the paper straw. That's the, the safe oh, straw. okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, I stand corrected. <laughs> I hate the movie. I hate the film. <laughs> Zero to uh, ten. Throughout the movie, we often see Marla which is um, Rosamund Pike's character doing a lot of pensive vaping. And I was reading that she built her own backstory for Marla that's based around the vaping. 
mm-hmm. in which her character prior to the events of this movie had a vape business until she was Walmarted out of business by a great okay. big discount vape store opening across the street, which is what Rosamund Pike told Collider. And this was her shot at the American dream played fair. She had a small time business. She was a small time business business owner and she got screwed. And then she thought, right, chips are down. I'm going all out. I'm going to play the system like everybody else. And I think about every time she inhales, it's bringing that attitude to it, which to me, okay. I mm-hmm. like your fun vape backstory, but it doesn't really explain why when she was targeted by biz, big business, her next progression was I'm going to target victim yeah old uh, people yeah i'm gonna victimize (laughs) old people and steal their money i do feel like i do feel like if we're dealing with a character like marla the main character in this like and she's getting bought out by yeah a big big box vape store is what made turned her evil i'm like no no i feel like i feel like we should go back further (laughs) to deconstruct probably told the director that and he was like Okay, that'll just be your okay. little secret. You'll you just and internalize can, so you that and use that for your character. We're not going to film any of this. And that's yeah, silly. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess don't, my question don't tell is, anyone except for Collider. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess my question is: Is this really a gender issue of a woman can't play a character like this because it's out of the realm of how women should be? Or if this was a man in this part, would mm-hmm. we look at this person just as scummy and think? You know, if it was a man, if, if it was a man, I wouldn't people. want to watch the movie because I've seen that movie before several times. Yeah, you know, that's like, true. I agree. Yeah. I mean, we we have conversations just in general conversations as a society about toxic masculinity and stuff. And I do think that like, yeah, if a movie came out like this with a man, it would it definitely be it would be redundant. Um, but two, I'm sure there would be some at least out there some sort of discussion about like, is this movie constructive in any way, shape or form right now? I mean, it'd just be like, like, I guess, like a Liam Neeson revenge movie. Like it just be like, you know, someone pissed off a guy and the guy is a bad guy. So he's decided to take action kind of thing. But I'm coming for your grandmother. Even yeah. even in those. I think what makes this movie really fun, though, is even in the case of, say, John Wick, a movie about a bad guy who's done terrible things deciding to do them again right like even in that movie they were like but it's to avenge have, a puppy so it's i would okay. say we should have we should definitely at least have a dog die at the beginning and that can be the <laughs> catalyst right like it's not like you, you i guess you don't see many movies where it's a man who is like a killer and then just decides to become more of a killer you know <laughs> like like yeah gets into a situation i guess maybe oh i'll say this there are movies where there is some somewhere out there is a movie where there's an assassin who's sent to do a job. They would probably justify that job as like a politically well-intended job or they were ignorant of the repercussions of said job, but it'll probably be to kill someone. And then they're double crossed. And so they decide to turn around and then kill all the people that double cross them, which is like already doing bad thing, feels betrayed, does more bad thing. But yeah. even in those cases, I feel like there is more of a justification than for the character of Marlo, which goes back to why I think this is a fun and interesting watch, although a harder watch. So I guess what fun, I'm saying is fact, she's a real bee. Yeah. Fun fact, <laughs> I was watching it with my cat, who's also named Marla. And when she wasn't totally passed out on the couch next to me, when people would say her name, I'd see her ears perk up because she knows. Oh, that's name. cute. Yeah. Oh, what are <laughs> her opinions on the abuse of conservatorship? Mm-hmm. Does she have any? Or? Yeah, no, no, she was pretty quiet the whole time. Oh, okay. 
I don't know about either of you, but I had that sickening feeling in my stomach from the moment I started watching the movie because they, they do a really good job of even just the way that Marla is costumed when she, when she first goes to Jennifer Peterson, Diane Weiss's house at the beginning, mm -hmm. she's wearing this, this yellow canary yellow suit, which mm -hmm. is the brightest, most welcoming. If you saw somebody dressed that way, come to your house that you would think, oh, this person, this person has my best interests in mind. Like Marla is the entire scam package. Right. But I had this sick feeling in my stomach all the way at the point at which Christmasina started appearing and it, it appeared that there were other people vested in Jennifer Peterson's interests. I thought, okay, mm -hmm. well, this isn't just an old woman that no one knows her. She's on an island. It, you know, hopefully the system doesn't fail her. For me, though, yeah. the turning point where I thought, OK, I can actually enjoy this movie was the great scene where Marla goes to visit Diane Weist after she's been offered the money. Mm -hmm. And she says, who are you? Mm -hmm. Like she just keeps asking her, who are you? And Diane yeah. Weist gets this just beautifully, almost like demonic smile on her face. Yeah, and she yeah. says, oh, you know, Dead. you and, or and, and Diane, we starts doing the math about what day it is, too, mm -hmm. because her mm -hmm. son, you know, usually would come to, to see her whatever day of the month. Mm -hmm. And I love that scene. I, that might be my favorite scene of the entire movie. It was really good. It yeah. was a great like uh, the tables have turned moment. Mm -hmm. It was pretty yeah. unexpected because Diane, we seems so lovely and, you know, affable and just like harmless. But then yeah. that scene completely twisted it and. It's like, oh, she should be really worried about this woman. Like, yeah, <laughs> she could make the, her life a living hell yeah. without doing a the, thing. Like, yeah, the the movie definitely paints her as like a hapless victim up until that point, and and then I think when she isn't, it also kind of preps you because again, back to the fact that Marla is a bad character who does really bad. Th this isn't a oops, con man made a mistake, and now. How am I going to weasel my way out of this kind of thing and then and learn a good morality lesson along the way? It's she makes a mistake. She finds out she's dealing with really, really bad people and then starts to figure out, starts to do the math in her head to figure out how she can profit from this. Because yeah. there's a whole sub there's a whole subplot of her having found some like priceless diamonds um, while she's going through uh, this old woman's assets. And now her, she's thinking how she can leverage that to basically be set for life in a lot of ways. Like that's that's what her motive is. And then along the way, like even though um, Diane Weist is putting up a strong fight, she like literally like is like drug her, starve her, strap her down, like make her question her own reality, lock her in a room with no windows and like, you know, and a bed and that's it make her life misery. Like that's her reaction where it's just something you don't generally see in, in movies like this, which mm -hmm. makes it fun, but also hard to watch. That's the, that's the response. Constantly. Yeah. Fun, but hard was, to watch. Just put that on the poster. choices. Yeah. Made it fun. And well, we mentioned Macon Blair and, uh, Macon Blair works with Jeremy Saulnier a lot. And, I felt I actually I think I asked you at least I was like, oh, is this a, a Jeremy Saulnier film when or we making, started watching? I feel like they they both make similar, you know, making Blair's uh, I don't belong in this world anymore. 
has a song yeah. name vibe. I think they have a similar filmmaking vibe. Yeah. Well, yeah, and he's de- like he was Blue before, Ruin. And- before making Blair was in Blue Ruin, he was a producer for him. So they yeah. like worked together mm-hmm. on movies before. So they have like yeah. the same inclinations. And then one yeah. day he was like, I want to make you a, an action star. And he's like, why? Like, Just do it. <laughs> yeah. I, I trust me. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. And then it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but those films definitely have the vibe of like, we're going deeper into the territory of darkness. We are going further. It's could Things can't get worse. They've gotten worse. <laughs> and and this movie definitely had that vibe for sure. Yeah. Macon Blair was definitely the, uh, you know, sort of angel. Seeing him, at, I think, is the albatross. <laughs> like i loved the way that he bookended this movie yeah mm-hmm. yeah for sure i was wondering when his character would pop in again because it's like you don't just have him for one scene like he's got to come back at some point and when he did mm-hmm. i was like oh that's that's the icing right there that was good yeah for sure i i've like seen people Chekhov's gun how, how did you feel about the end diction because i've seen some divisiveness over that too i mean it was definitely like I feel like it was done for the audience's sake because like you spend almost two hours with this woman that you don't like and you there's no way you're going to like her and so to have it end like that is kind of like a well it was bound to happen eventually you know like this it, mm-hmm. like you can only do this horrible shit for so long before it bites you um but it definitely did feel kind of like they wrote it at the last minute and they shot it at the last minute or something, you know, and there might've been like an alternate ending that they didn't, that they're just sitting there in the editing bay to like, uh, which one should we go with? And the producers like that one. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it felt like it, it was a double tag ending where it, it had the traditional con man movie where, Oh, the, you know, the con gets, they get, they get it. They, you know, it all comes together. The ocean's 11 <laughs> standing by the, the water fountain. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, but then it needed that tag of like, well, no, actually, she's kind of evil incarnate. Mm-hmm. So but I, I did like how they were able to to make that Macon Blair plot come full circle with something that you may have forgotten a little bit about. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. you know, oh, he comes back into play. Um, I mean, should we just talk full spoiler? On yeah, that scene? I think like, so. I, yeah, I feel like. I mean, so basically Macon Blair's character is the character that she is the is the example character. He is a character that gets screwed over by her when his mother is taken into her custody and then he's completely isolated from her. And then she Marla sells off all his mother's assets and we see them in court arguing about it. But she's so cool and composed and good at what she does that she makes him seem crazy. Right. And so he's like hates her and calls her terrible names and stuff like that. Don't see him for the whole film. She goes through this whole ordeal, barely surviving by the skin of her teeth, coming out victorious. And then the end tag of the film is that he just find, he just sees her on the sidewalk and then shoots her and kills her in the street. Well, no, right? he, he like, was there purposefully because she was doing an interview. Well, so he knew right, she yeah, was yeah. going to be there. And then his he was screaming at her because his, his mom died. He didn't get to yeah. see her. Or during that yeah. whole time, so he but, shoots her. But we as the audience haven't seen him. He just like, yeah. she's like, and here's my victory lap. And then he just shows up and then he goes, <laughs> like, my mom died and shoots her. And then she she bleeds out and dies. And I actually, I thought that was needed. Like, because again, the movie took me in directions I wasn't expecting to go from the beginning. And so when they were like celebrating together and I was like, and they like, different things were happening towards the end of the movie. I was like, is, is it going to end? Like I kept thinking the credits were going to roll 
like two or three times before they actually did. And I was going to go, this is really unsatisfying if this is where it's going. (laughs) But I do think that her dealing with the repercussions of something that she's done um, and, and suffering for that is what is kind of what I was referring to about the director understands the morality of this film, right? Yeah. The director understands that you're not watching a good person. That's why she was punished. And I honestly think some of that is better. We mentioned, I mentioned Wolf of Wall Street earlier. I don't like the ending of the Wolf of Wall Street. I don't even remember it, the ending of Wolf of Wall Street. It's it, just him doing the, the sell me this pen speech. Yeah. Like one of his oh, conferences. Okay. He goes to jail, but even then it's like, oh, he like has a good time in jail. He like plays tennis or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like, he does like time. Fine. That's like, isn't like, bad. And then it ends with him giving a speech to a bunch of people in a room. And he's like, he's using his old tactics right. to like sell them on his whole thing. And it has a very wink to the camera kind of thing. And yeah. at the end of that movie, I was like, but he's a dick. And he got out. Okay. Like I always that, like, I always was weird, kind of weirded out by people's love for that movie. Like it's not a bad movie by any like mm-mm. Jake, but uh, I always preferred boiler room with uh, Giovanni Ribisi and Vin Diesel. Okay. Which yeah, yeah. same concept? It's about you know like uh, you know uh, stockbrokers at a small firm selling bullshit stocks that are worth nothing, mm-hmm. and but yeah. they do a very good job of showing the repercussions it has on this one guy who buys like way too many shares and he starts his, like wife leaves him and he's yeah. gonna lose his house and stuff like that. I preferred that because yeah, like you said, Wolf of Wall Street. You never see the other side of it. It's only. Yeah. Look at these rich people doing rich people things. That There's a line in like the a... office. They're having parties. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Boiler um, Rant sounds, sounds more like a fun romp. Yeah. Yeah. It has been Diesel. <laughs> it has been Diesel uh, and Ben Affleck. It was, it's a great film. You haven't seen it. It's really yeah. good. I, I want to talk more about the ending, but first a word from our sponsors. Bonjour mes amis, comment ça va? In case you don't speak French, that means hello my friends, how are you? And you can learn this with Babbel, the number one selling language learning app. One of my goals for the new year was to brush up on my 10th grade Spanish, and Babbel makes that very easy, bueno, in fact, and addictively fun with bite-sized lessons that I can use in the real world too. It's uh, conversation starters and practical conversations, turns of phrase that you would actually use if you were traveling abroad and speaking to somebody. It's it's kind of like playing a game in a way, something that I love about a language app like Babbel. It was created by over 100 language experts and their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. You can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, as I mentioned, French, Italian and German. I don't know why I did the thing for Italian, but I did. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent, which is really important to not look like a total tourist wherever you go. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, when you purchase a a three-month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. That's six months for the price of three. Just go to Babbel.com and use promo code FILMHOUSE. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com, code FILMHOUSE, for an extra three months free. Babbel, language for life. So Boiler Room is something I should go watch, is what you're telling me. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Got a great hip-hop I... soundtrack. It's, it's really good. Ooh, when mm-hmm. is it from? 2001, I want to say. Oh, wow. Time Capsule. Yeah. You give great movie recommendations. how old I am. I try. You haven't Don't led you me astray yet. We should talk, we we'll talk about spring, spring on another uh, podcast another I would like one. to. Okay. If, you're, if okay. you're down for it. I'm down. Because um, I do, do have... There was one thing I didn't like about Spring, which I'll tell you 
It's it's number one on my list of movies that make me want to bang squids. (laughs) (laughs) There was an opportunity for this movie to take a different route, I think, which was the mob give Rosamund Pike her comeuppance and, and give her what she's been dealing out and eventually find a way to manipulate it. So she ends up under a conservatorship. Like, I think uh, there's right. a different trajectory the story could have gone. Yeah. yeah, what she does to to Peter Dinklage, that would have been interesting. Once I knew what, like, what that whole plot was, what they were planning, yeah. I was like, oh, that's clever. But at the same time, I was like, man, if that happened, they did that to her, though, like, that would be real juicy. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, can I tell you my dream ending for Please. it? Please. It's, I don't know how we get there, but it ends up with her in an old folks home locked in and then and then you see the the security measures go off and then all the old folks resident like their their home their doors unlock right and it's and then it's like and there's steam filling all the floors (laughs) and smoke filling the floors and then and then their doors slide open and then you see the old folks slowly crawling out of their little apartments and then they come out and then they grab her and they lift her up and they carry her away like the ghost did to billy from ghost (laughs) okay okay that terrified me when i was a kid when those ghosts come the, the shadow creatures or whatever come to take away uh is his name billy in the movie ghost maybe it's willie whoever the willie? evil the, the villain is in ghost yeah, yeah. when, when they come to drag him away that terrified me because willie lopez i thought that's gonna happen to me when i die <laughs> as a, as a seven-year-old i didn't go i'm going to i'm, I'm swaying it i went mm, mm-hmm. i'm gonna get dragged by those shadow things <laughs> yeah uh one thing I wish that just personally, I think because I enjoyed her performance and character that we would have gotten is a button for Diane Weist, because I think it's presumed that because Rosamund Pike now has this working relationship with Peter Dinklage at the end of the film, you, you assume, Oh, Diane Weist got out of her solitary confinement in the, mm-hmm. the, um, uh, what kind of, she was in like a, a psychiatric, psychiatric ward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you assume, you know, that that's, what happened, but we don't get that moment of seeing Diane Weist kind of back out living life, loving life, really. Well, you see her reunited with, yeah. with Peter Dinklage, but you don't really. Yeah. You, at some point, you have to assume they had a conversation where he's like, listen, I made a deal with her. I'm going to make her. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make her billions of dollars. I know that she made your life a living hell for the last couple months or weeks. Yeah. Or Why don't you apologize to, to each other? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I. I got the feeling, though, that uh, the character Jennifer, Diane Weiss, the the mother, I got a feeling that she was just as cutthroat as every other gangster in that film, that maybe she would not she would kind of no hard feel no hard feelings. That whole thing, like if if it was like explained to her in the sense of business, like, I don't know, there's a lot of cutthroat bad people in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um but you're right. It would have been interesting to see like some sort of like sp- like she's like, hey, no hard feelings. And then she gets spit in the face or something like that. Right. <laughs> like and then Peter and it cuts pans down to Peter Dinklage and he just like shrugs and then they like hop in the car and drive away or something like something like that would have definitely been cathartic. But again, I think they wanted the end of the film to feel like a real victory lap for her. Yeah. She's just she's just on top of the yeah. world. Diane Weist yeah. was the. I think the only person that maybe I was rooting for 
in a weird way, though. Then you look at her character and the pure bliss she has in that scene where she she realizes that her son is coming for her. And Mm -hmm. she has that, you know, uh, just purely malevolent smile. And you think, oh, this is the woman of a mob boss who it seems very proud of her son and lives the lifestyle she does because of him. And huh. Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. she's okay with it. You know, you would think if I, if I told my mom that I was like, I'm selling drugs and I'm doing all the stuff, she would be like, you know, what are you, mm-hmm. you know, I disown you, <laughs> but she disowned me for a lot less. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Diane Weist is like ride or die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sure. Um, one, uh, one other thing that I just want to note about this film was the guy who played Alexei, uh, Nicholas Logan, who is basically like the right hand man, Peter is Dinklage, the blonde is guy, really, really weird right hand man. The blonde, right? blonde guy. He, yeah. he had um. Oh yeah. Who's yeah. the guy? Who's the guy from Back to the Future? Willard. Um. Uh, oh, he played Willard Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. He oh, gave me yeah. like kind of oh, Crispin yeah, Glover sure. vibes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like a bigger, a bigger, maybe scary, more intimidating Crispin Glover. When they finally make a um, biopic about him, he'll play Crispin Glover. <laughs> well, yeah, so when? as everyone knows, I've, I've stated, I've stated that I believe that if we want, if we need a new Joker, we should, we should cast Lakeith Stanfield. I've said that. I've oh, said yeah. that uh, very time. I think he's great ever since I saw him in the movie that wasn't good, but the the uh, the Death book, Note Death Note book. Yeah, movie. he was. We like, did a podcast right? back then. We're like perfect in that movie like yeah yeah everything else was yeah. a mess just a yeah we did a podcast back then and james was like joker lakeith stanfield joker mm-hmm. um but i will say that if that doesn't come to pass i do think this guy nicholas logan would make a pretty like intimidating joker the gangster form of joker more so than the anarchist form of joker because his posture he's always slumped in this movie he's always slumped and he's like kind of like half paying attention to everything everyone's saying and he's but then like there's a point later on where he has a gun and he's just genuinely scary like he goes into full like rage mode and so i don't know there's definitely i feel i I was watching that and i was like i could see him as a joker if if lakeith turns it down i think he'd make a great willard willard too you know (laughs) yeah he could definitely (laughs) reprise the willard role for sure any final thoughts? I care a lot. Do you recommend it? Yeah. If you're, you got to be in the right mood, though. Don't be in a very good mood. Yeah. Be in like a, a, a medium mood. You mm-hmm. can't go up or down. You're just there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I would definitely recommend it. Again, with the caveat that yeah, you have to you have to understand not necessarily know what you're getting into, but prepare yourself to be getting into something. I really like you. If you look at the poster of it, you see that it has style. And that's one of the things I always kind of like Fight Club. I like that, like, you know, it takes place in a city, but you don't necessarily know what city and like where. And it seems like it has a lot of like different tonal aspects to it. It's very clean at times and it's very filthy at others. And so I really like uh, the world that it kind of puts out there. And yeah, Roseman Pike's performance is is really stellar, whether or not you absolutely hate her by the end of it or not. Yeah. The sort of last con man caper mob Mm -hmm. movie that i remember liking prior to this was the gentleman which came out you know Mm -hmm. a couple months ago this time last year Mm -hmm. and it had a bit more 
uh, less less blurred lines of morality, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and felt a little bit more fun. That and was I definitely don't... a motion picture comedy or musical for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I just watching I care a lot. I just kept maybe it's because I, I experienced similar feelings while watching both. Not because mm-hmm. they're similar movies, but it just does a thing in your brain that makes you feel that that same way. Mm-hmm. And I I would say that if you're bleeding heart, there's going to be some of this movie that's tough to watch. But then once you get into it, like Diction said, if you're in the right mood and you can kind of just let it wash over you and not uh, make any big, you know, morality uh, choices, like mm-hmm. it's fun. And this, fun is maybe not the right word, but <laughs> it's this, enjoyable. This movie is is a like testament to what future is held in the world of uh, streaming like uh, streaming premieres because I don't think in a theater this would be like a good experience. Like I think you oh, might no. like, you oh, take yeah, Graham out of the like, movies. Something about the <laughs> clockwork orange nature of a theater of like you're sitting here and you're supposed to be. This is the kind of thing where you almost want to be sitting down with someone else like going like, what did she, what is she doing? Like you almost want to kind of like, which seems like a ruining of experience or like, I have to go to the bathroom and it's like, should I pause it? No, just let it go. Like, <laughs> like, like fill me in when I get back. Yeah. It's a yeah. weird f- watching etiquette aspect that doesn't seem good, but I actually think works pretty, pretty well in this movie's favor. So cool. Uh, yeah. well, thank you so much Diction for joining us sure to thing. talk about this. Where can people watch more of your opinions on movies and comedy and gaming? Uh, Twitter at Diction, Twitch slash Diction. Pretty simple. Mm-hmm. I have an Instagram, yeah. but it's mostly just my cat. Marla. Marla. The aforementioned Marla. Did, was she named after Marla Hooch from A League of Their Own or Marla from what? Fight Club? Uh-oh. Oh, no. Did I oh, freeze? No. Oh, no. We were so close. We were so Sorry, close. Thank you for watching and listening, everyone, and for bearing with technical difficulties we had today. Diction is awesome, and we love having him on the show, so hopefully he'll be back soon. Next week, we're talking about WandaVision, doing an in-review of the entire season, which might be one of my favorite things that Marvel has done, and I'm pretty surprised that I'm saying that. Would not have expected to say that if you asked me before I watched the show. And we'll be joined by a special guest, our old friend, Amy Dallin, who you've probably seen on Geek and Sundry and Nerdist. She is just a huge comic expert and a wonderful person. So we're really excited. Again, thank you for watching and listening. We'll see you then. Bye.